0: Well, happy Wednesday afternoon, and welcome to the second edition of Trinity Grace Church's Question and Response. We had a few questions sent in this week, but before we get to those questions, I just want to mention a few things about the medium of podcast communication. The first thing I want to mention is that for every question that we get, we're going to try, or I'm going to try my hardest to respond from a biblical perspective and give you some categories uh, to think through as you consider the questions that were sent in. Hopefully these answers, these responses are going to be satisfying, but as you know, in a podcast of 10 to 15 minutes, none of these answers are going to be comprehensive. And so the goal of this podcast is simply to get the gears turning, to give folks some categories through which to think through the questions that have been sent our way Um, And so that's the first thing I want to highlight. The second thing I want to highlight with regard to this medium of communication is that you should know I'm sitting in my study right now looking at my computer. And so the relational connection is not really there. (laughs) The relational compassion doesn't really translate as I respond to some of these questions. And so Um, It's good because it gives me the opportunity to answer these questions in a technical uh, way, but it also has some downsides because the answers to some of these questions oftentimes do require a pastoral, empathetic, sensitive response that I don't necessarily get the opportunity to demonstrate through this medium. And so those are two things I want you to keep in mind before we launch in to this week's questions. Um, hope that's helpful for you in the coming weeks as we try to continue and make this series even better. Okay, to the questions that we received this past week. We received two, although each question has multiple parts. The first question we received is a more general liturgical question, and the question goes like this. Why does your church have a time for confession of sins? As a Christian, I'm no longer a sinner, as my past, present, and future sins are forgiven. And I'm no longer under the law, but under grace. Are you not asking for forgiveness that has already been granted? Well, that is a great question. At Trinity Grace, we do confess our sin corporately each week. And as we do that, we're recognizing that we do continue to sin in this Christian life, even though we're in Christ, There is still uh, the flesh that's at war with the Spirit within our hearts and our lives that we uh, contend with on a daily basis. Um, And so we bring our confession of sin uh, before the Lord and ask for Him to forgive us afresh and anew each and every week. On top of that, hopefully we're doing that individually as well in our own private devotional lives and with our families at home. But a few thoughts to think through as you think about why we confess our sin, even though we are Christian now and have been completely forgiven. The first is that throughout the Bible, we see that those who've placed their faith in God and are called his children, they continue to confess their sin throughout their Christian life. I think of the great confessions from David in the Old Testament, somebody who is characterized as a man after God's own heart, Yet in Psalm 32 and in Psalm 51, we see him confessing his sin openly and comprehensively before God. And what we see is that David's confession, even though he is a believer in God, even though he's been justified by faith in God, his confession brought a renewed sense of God's love to his heart. In a sense, it cleansed David's conscience and it gave him renewed spiritual strength. We also see in the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, uh, John says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then at the beginning of verse or chapter 2, John says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, those are just a few examples in the Bible where we see folks that are believers that have placed their faith in God or in Jesus continually come before Him with confession of their sins so that they might receive a cleansed conscience and a renewed strength of spirit. And I think it's important to understand that as Christians, We've been completely forgiven and set free in Christ. In other words, God can never love us more than he loves us right now in Christ, and he can never love us less than he loves us right now in Christ. But while the reality of God's love is fixed and secure for us as Christians, our experience our experience of God can radically change depending on if we're living with unconfessed sin. So in a sense, confessing our sins as Christians is an ongoing spiritual practice. It's something that we do so that we might experience God's grace and love and forgiveness in our lives. It's ultimately an application of the gospel. And as believers in Jesus, you and I never get over the gospel. And confessing our sin, in turn, empowers us for service in God's kingdom. John Calvin was right when he said, It is fitting that by confession of our own wretchedness, we show forth the goodness and mercy of our God among ourselves and before the whole world. And so that's why we confess our sin every week at Trinity Grace. Hopefully that gives you some categories through which to think about that question. Okay, the second question that was sent in this week relates more to this past Sunday's sermon where I preached from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, where we see Jesus and his disciples cross the Sea of Galilee, coming to the region of the Gerasenes in order to heal and to forgive the man that was infested with a legion of demons. This is the question that came after hearing that sermon preached this past Sunday. How do we apply this sermon as Christians? How does the fact that we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit impact the way we hear the message of our need for change? And what does Christ's once-for-all and also continual redemption look like? Well, this is a good question, and it highlights something that we experience every Sunday at Trinity Grace, and that is hopefully the preaching of God's Word is effective And beneficial for both those who are exploring the claims of Jesus and also those who have been Christians and following Jesus for many years. We believe in the Reformed tradition and in the evangelical church that we never get over the gospel, that it's the good news for those who have not yet believed in Jesus, but it's also the good news for those who have believed and walked with Jesus for decades. We believe that we need to encounter the gospel, the the love and grace of Christ, over and over again in our lives. In fact, it really needs to be a daily experience. It's not something that starts us off on our Christian journey and then we get on our way through our own power, but it's the thing that motivates obedience throughout the Christian life, where we allow Jesus to come and address the sinful, broken areas of our lives that need renewal, where we experience his forgiveness in particular ways on a daily and a weekly basis. And out of gratitude and thankfulness for the forgiveness that he offers, we move out and respond in obedience. And so our obedience is really empowered by the grace and the mercy that we receive from Jesus. Whether it's something that we've experienced for the first time last week, or it's something that we've experienced over and over again through the course of our lives. I think it's important to recognize that we do have the Spirit as believers. We've got the Spirit that has been placed in our hearts and our lives after we've placed our faith in Jesus. And this has huge implications for how we hear the call in our lives to change and to grow in holiness. Our lives before Christ, uh, when we are living without and apart from Him, A call to change actually leaves us frustrated because in our own power, true spiritual renewal is impossible. Without Jesus and the power of His Spirit, when we're called to change, we're called to do something that we're not capable of doing. After all, we believe that apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead. And what can a dead person do? Absolutely nothing. Yet, when we place our faith in Jesus, when the Spirit comes and draws us to God, and when the Spirit is given to us to reside in our hearts, what he does is he brings new life. And he brings the power and the desire to want to follow Jesus in holiness and in spiritual renewal. So the man that we saw in Mark chapter 5, we see a very unique part of his life. We see the conversion experience in Mark chapter 5. This man was powerless to change before he met Jesus. He was hopeless as hopeless could be. Yet, once Jesus pursued him, and once he encountered Jesus in his grace, he received new life. And you'll remember at the end of Mark 5 in that passage, after receiving this new life, he was called to walk in that newness of life. As Christians, we believe that we are converted once. But our Christian life after conversion is one of continual sanctification, and we walk alongside Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit living within our hearts that gives us the ability to want to and actually obey the law of God. As I think about the power of the Spirit living in our hearts as Christians and our ability to follow Jesus in sanctification, it reminds me of St. Augustine's fourfold state of man. In describing humanity's relationship with sin and God's law, he says that before the fall, before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve were able to sin or they were able not to sin. Once the fall occurred in Genesis chapter 3 and we became spiritually dead at our core, all of a sudden, post-fall, humanity is not able not to sin. In other words, we continually sin. We've got no ability but to sin. When Jesus comes into our lives, when he pursues us, and when we receive the Holy Spirit in a regenerated heart, we are reborn, and all of a sudden we are able not to sin and able to sin. And so we've got the ability as we walk in the power of the Spirit to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And then in glorification on the other side of heaven, as those who reside with God for all eternity will be unable to sin. And so that's the fourfold state of man as articulated by St. Augustine. I think it's helpful for us as we think about how we approach God's law and how we're called to change. Now that we've received the Holy Spirit, we are actually able to say no to sin and yes to righteousness although we continually need the gospel applied to the particular broken areas of our lives. Okay, hopefully those were some helpful thoughts to get the gears turning this week. Love to continue this in the coming weeks. In fact, we're going to try to make it better with uh, some Q&A with another person next week, somebody actually asking me questions so that we might banter a little bit back and forth And so follow-up questions might even be able to be asked at that point. So hope you tune back in then. Until then, hope you have a great week and look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning.